Jules Poulain, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jules Lorraine, happy to be here. <laughs> so it's amusing because you are the first guest to ever call me Jules on my podcast. So that's kind of fun. Um, we both hail from the same part of Ontario, Canada, Northern Ontario, Sudbury to be precise. Mm -hmm. And uh, we both went to the same high school. And now you live uh, down in Toronto, don't you? Yeah, I've been in Toronto for 20 years. I studied um, massage therapy at Collège Boreal. And uh, then when I graduated, I packed my belongings. I had two boxes of stuff and made my way to Toronto and been here ever since. And also you own a company called From the Neck Up Massage. Now, the reason I wanted to have you on the show is because your business is actually quite unique. Um, mm -hmm. from, the, uh, from the website, it says it is North America's first and only massage therapy clinic focused on the rehabilitation of the jaw ear, voice, tongue, head, and neck. That's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. No pun intended. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. You know, I say I say North America on my website, but really it's it's the only one like it in the world. But I feel like I'm 12 when I say the world. Like, this is the only clinic like this in the world. And people are like, okay. <laughs> so well, that was my next question, which, mm -hmm. which was... Um, I'm actually surprised, I have to admit. Uh, why is it the, the first one in the world? Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I ask myself that question often. I think there's a few reasons for it. One is massage therapists are typically generalists. So, you know, they, they just do a little bit of everything and uh, very few massage therapists choose to focus. We can't say specialize here in Ontario, but I can say focus and dedicated and et cetera. Um, very few people do. And, and, and I think part of it is fear. Um, when I decided five years ago to abandon my regular practice and to focus on primarily doing jaw rehabilitation, like a lot of my peers were like, uh, really? Like no one's ever done that before. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't mean that it's, that it can't happen. At that point, I've been doing jaw rehabilitation for seven years and I had a, a six week waiting list for people to come in and see me. So it was like an organic growth. And, um, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it's the only one. Like there's a couple of like sparse people throughout the world that I've seen who may have um, a special interest in jaw rehabilitation. Um, but when it comes to being a massage therapist and, and doing vocal rehabilitation and swallowing disorders and massaging the tongue, it is <laughs> the wildest thing. It's a muscle. Yeah, it's it, a muscle. It's interesting because, uh, well, actually, the first thing I want to ask you Ooh. is, why can't you say the word specialize? I'm actually not against it, because um, I suspect it has to do with being regulated health profession. So imagine if Joe Blow, massage therapist, took one course in knee rehabilitation, all of a sudden he or she touts themselves as being a specialist. So there's no, there's no way to regulate it. Just, you know, you have like a heart specialist or ear, nose and throat specialist. They've done additional schooling. So there's currently nothing to 
I guess there's no unit of uh, no scholastic unit and no testing unit in order to have those designations. And I'm okay with that. I'm very much okay with that because I don't want just anybody to say, well, I took a course. Now I specialize and I'll correct people when they tell me, Oh, you're a specialist. I'm like, I'm not a specialist. I'm, so, I'm, I'm an expert and I'm, I'm like incredibly passionate about this, but because there's nothing to govern who can specialize or not, it's safer to not allow people to specialize. Would I like to change that? Oh yeah. I would love to see like a master's program in massage therapy. I think massage therapy should be a university program. It should be a four-year degree. And then if you want to specialize or have a, you know, have a, a master's in something, you can then like, you know, go down those avenues because rehabilitation is, you know, the majority of people who are in rehabilitation are generalists. Well, you've had injuries, you know, like if you hurt your, your lower back, you're kind of like, well, who's near me or who have my friends seen? And you don't know how much experience that person has or if they've done any continued education or perhaps after they graduated from school, they never looked at another book or research paper again. So it's 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 kind of a lottery. Yeah, because, you know, I, I interjected there because I, as much as I really do want to touch on, on the tongue here, because yeah. it is a fascinating <laughs> practice, um, really the, the, um, the bureaucracy, I guess you could call it bureaucracy in a way or lack thereof, even mm-hmm. if there isn't even a course, a specialization course for massage therapists, mm-hmm. that would explain a lot. It would really explain why it's hard to find uh, somebody who focuses on on something rather than going to the Ontario website and going, oh, these are the jaw specialists because they've done a year extra or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think because no one, I like in my industry, I'm I'm I, I there's people who focus on like pregnancy massage, but outside of that, I haven't come across a peer who has a dedicated or focused or specialized in quotation marks practice. It's it doesn't happen in massage therapy. And honestly, like it, I, I don't blame them because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Like I have this clinic today. I'm celebrating my two year anniversary of opening the clinic. I have an incredible team behind me, but I'm responsible for their education. I'm responsible for their mentoring. I'm responsible to make sure that they are delivering the high standards of quality that I've ascertained for myself and presented to my patients. And that what they're doing is evidence-based and patient-centric and having, if I had a regular massage clinic, man, I wouldn't be working 12, 14 hours a day. So there's a, there's a huge tax that comes with it. And it's not, it's not for everybody, but interesting story. A few years ago, two and a half years ago, I, I knew I was like months away from opening up a clinic. I'd been doing a lot of work, like backend work, because I realized like five years ago that there was a potential for this to happen. So I was like, okay, what do I need to do like strategy wise? And I decided to take more courses because I realized that once I had the clinic, I, I would have a lot of difficulty with time to do that. And so two and a half summers ago, I was doing so much back end stuff and like, and, and not seeing any results or any remuneration. And, um, and I just kept going, but like, I kind of hit a wall one day and I, and I did this, I got home after like just a day of efforts 
and like so many doors slammed in my face and I got home and I like put my hands on either side of my body and like fell forward on my couch like face first like I didn't even stop myself <laughs> like I was like nose first into my couch and I just laid there for like a few seconds then I turned my head to the side because I couldn't breathe but you know I just laid there after I turned my head to breathe and I laid there for a few minutes and I was like did I swear on this yeah yeah of course like, of course Fuck. <laughs> fuck you know like so discouraged because like I knew that what I, I wanted to do was so important and I felt really just like I was just feeling sorry for myself and I had this moment and it's like I will never forget this moment and it's a pivotal moment and I and I re-experience I experienced that moment similar moments to it um frequently but there's this moment where I was like it's not about me mm. explain that what do you mean I have a special skill set that helps a demographic of people who have nowhere else to go. Okay. And in that moment, I was stuck in my ego. I was stuck in my frustration. But I help people eat. I help people not have headaches. I help people have a better quality of life that have been navigating, you know, whether it's jaw issues or headaches, or now I'm working a lot with like the voice and swallowing population and people that have tinnitus and ringing in their ear. And they've been to see all of these doctors and they're desperate and, and nothing has helped. And with my bare hands and the knowledge I've acquired, I can help people. So it's not about me. And, and it, it's like, I get a chill just, just reliving that moment. And I, and I have this conversation often with professionals. I had it with a friend of mine recently, who's a speech language pathologist. And cause I'm doing a lot of pretty cool, I'm working on a lot of really cool projects right now. And he's like, where do you get your motivation? And how do you stay focused? And how do you stay present in like your, your, your entrepreneurial endeavors? And, and my answer was basically like whiskey, but also <laughs> it's not about me. It, it's, about, yeah. it's about the patients. Yeah, definitely. You want to let go of your ego, especially when you, you have such, um, such an interesting demographic, really, like you said, you know, people with uh, jaw conditions <clears throat> or, you know, um, issues with their ears and their neck. Mm -hmm. uh, your website mentions, you know, a few of these conditions that you do uh, treat, like uh, TMJD is one of mm -hmm. them. Can you tell me a little bit about that? It's it's a word that you see often on medical websites. You see it on maybe even in, in a pamphlet at your doctor's office. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's becoming more popular. But what is TMJD? TMJD, so a lot of people say I have TMJ. <clears throat> and TMJ is the temporomandibular joint. It's like saying I have elbow, right? <laughs> like it's an articulation. And so the medical profession says TMD, which is like temporomandibular disorder or dysfunction. Um, very few people use TMJD. And when I was planning out my website and my marketing collateral, I, because I'm so patient centric, I didn't want to people to be confused by TMD. It's also very intimidating. Like some people think that the D is disease. I had a patient the other day. Have, she's like, someone told me I have my, my doc, my doctor told me I have, you know, this disease in my jaw. And I was like, okay, like it's, you know, what exactly did he or she say? And, and it's, it's, TMJD to me is, is, is softer, it's palatable, it's relatable, um, and it's patient-centric. So 
in short, it encapsulates any type of dysfunction within the jaw. So for some people that presents as pain within the jaw itself, for some other people, it's like tooth pain or headaches or bruxism, which is like clenching or grinding, um, fatigue in their jaw, inability to open or close their jaw properly, locking of the jaw. So essentially, it's any type of dysfunction um, of in relation to the jaw. And you can just fix that with your hands? With my hands. With your hands. <laughs> Tell me, so describe to me, you get a patient who has, let's say, clicking of the jaw, which I think is also TMJD, yeah. correct? correct? Okay. So they have jaw clicking every time they they, they yawn, let's say. They're mm-hmm. always like, then it, there's pain. How do you approach that? What is the process for you as a practitioner? A thorough assessment. Um, so one of the things that is of import to me is to understand exactly the mechanics of what's happening. Um, is it, is it the muscle? Is it the joint? Is it the disc? Is it, um, well, those are usually the options. Um, so how we approach it is all of our new patients come in and it's a 90 minute appointment. And the first half hour is, you know, a health history. We're reviewing the health history. Are there any other questions? It's, it's like detective work. You know, are there any other questions that I have pertaining to this person's health? Then it's a thorough assessment where we're assessing the muscles and the joint to see if there's any inflammation, any issues with the capsule, any issues with the disc. Is it solely muscular? Um, And then we would do hands-on treatment. And the interesting thing with TMJD is that there's typically three things that get people better when they have it. Manual therapy, which is what we provide at the office. Self-care. Self-care is about 50%, um, according to the studies and research, is about 50% of a person's recovery process. And the third part is an oral appliance. So that trifecta of things is actually what gets people better in in the standard um, TMJD um, presentation. And for something like TMJD, I would imagine that the research is changing pretty often. I mean, I don't know. Um, But I would think anything with the human body, there's got to be evolutions in research all the time, right? How do you stay current on all that stuff? Oh, man, I'm a geek. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I, I, because I also write courses, um, and in training my staff and and in training other massage therapists. Also, sometimes I have a patient that comes in with something that I don't quite understand. And that kind of sends me in a rabbit hole of, of research, like tinnitus, like, or treating any ear related issue is something that, um, I stumbled upon. I had a few patients that had started coming to see me who had gone to see an ear, nose and throat specialist that, suggested that maybe their ear problems were related to their jaw. So if we think anatomically, the jaw joint and um, the auditory meatus, the ear canal, they're, they're, they live in the same house. So if there's dysfunction within the jaw, it can impede or cause symptoms within the ear. And so that kind of fell onto my lap where all of a sudden I had ear, nose and throat specialists sending me patients. And I was like, okay, I need to start researching this. Like what are the different types of presentations of tinnitus and what is a sense of fullness compared to a sense of pressure? And how can I change this? How can I influence this? How can I help these people? Um, So often it's, it's part passion and then it's just part trying to solve puzzles of what patients are presenting with. So 
you're you're being referred to by medical specialists. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just curious. I have to ask this question. Have you contributed to any scientific research of your own? Like because it's such a new field, I think, the idea of doing massage therapy for things like the tongue and mm-hmm. the jaw. Do you have any scientists who have looked into your work? I would love nothing more than to have a university or a researcher come to my clinic and help us build a research protocol or standards because I have the people, I have the demographic, we have the standardized assessment, we have the techniques, we have all these tools. Um, I would love that. I think people should be studying what we're doing because not a lot of the studies um, from what I've read, a lot of them don't necessarily focus on massage therapy. They focus more, they say like manual therapy, but a physiotherapist does manual therapy, a chiropractor does manual therapy as well. And we are the only profession that has an hour on average with patients of manual therapy. So there's there's a lot of change that we can incite because, and different changes, not to diminish what those professions are doing either, but we have the value of time and we have the value of communication, which is like, I mean, we can talk about that. I have a whole communication protocol as well with my practice, but um, a lot of the research I suspect is of short duration in the application of the the treatment. And I haven't come across enough research that focuses on massage therapy. Me me either, actually. So it's one of the things I do whenever I try to, you know, when I have a new issue with my own body and they say, oh, you should go see a massage therapist or whatever. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll re- I'm a very thorough re- oh, researcher. Really? Right? <laughs> not like, of course not I like knew that. know that already. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so I will look up, you know, different practitioners areas of, of focus. Um, and uh, definitely it's something that I would like to see also because I interview a lot of scientists, you oh. know, and. To me, the intersection between massage therapy and research science, I think would be absolutely fascinating. A hundred percent. Honestly, I like if there's anyone in the Toronto area that's at like University of Toronto or York um, that that wants to come here and like create a research program with us, I I would love nothing more. It's one of those things that I want to do. Um, I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. Like there's a lot, of, I'm, I've got a lot on my plate, but it's also, I've never done this. So I don't know what standards, I don't know like how to implement that. I, I would like to, um, the way that some of my, the way that my files are set up and my assessment is set up is that, you know, if someone wanted to come in and, and have a look at, um, I guess in some ways it's kind of research where I'm doing, I could compare all the assessments and say, Hey, this is a presentation that people have and here are how we're achieving the results. And here are the home care exercises that we're giving them. So there's definitely a lot that's available to make that happen. I just can't well, do it. Alone. I, 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 and absolutely you can't. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be um, maybe when the episode goes live, we can do a little Twitter, you know, sure. recognizance and, and see if we can get some scientists uh, interested. Bring it on. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a, a fun idea. Um, let's talk about the tongue. The, the tongue. tongue. Tell me what, uh, what kind of tre- treatments, what kind of stuff can you treat by, I guess, massaging the tongue? <laughs> It's so wild. It's the craziest thing I do. It's like, it's like, uh, I got introduced to it by a couple of things. One, there's, you know, correlation between like jaw tension and tongue tension. 
So I, I was working on some patients that were like, oh, my tongue feels a lot looser or my tongue feels tight or my voice is better with these jaw treatments. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. And then um, it was kind of on my radar for about a year. I was like, oh, you know what? Once I like get this clinic open, maybe I'll start doing some research on, on voice stuff because my goal is to strictly do um, vocal rehabilitation. Like actually my ultimate goal is to massage Beyonce and or like <laughs> someone like Beyonce, like, you know, I'm working with a lot of members of the Kane opera company right now and some professional um, voice actors and, and, um, and a lot of academics who have to speak a lot. So I'm helping them with their speech, but a tongue massage is, you know, I put on like a nitrile glove and then I put on these, like, I call them my Mickey mouse gloves, like a disposable cotton glove, like a white cotton glove that I put on top of it. Um, is that so that the tongue doesn't slip? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And then it's just a matter of like, I grasp the tongue in different ways and I stretch it. I lift the back of it. Um, I, I massage the floor of the mouth. Um, and a lot of the, this inspiration came from taking a course by Walt Fritz, who's a physical therapist in the U.S. And he has a voice um, and neck disorders course at seminars. And so that was the first time that I actually came across someone that um, taught some like that type of course. And his courses are more directed to like speech language pathologists. Um, but like, yeah, like I, I went and it, and it was, it was really, um, it was a game changer because it validated what I was experiencing with my patient population. And then it gave me the research and, and the confidence and the techniques to treat. And then I, you know, took those techniques and created my own, which is, you know, a massage is an art, you know, there's, there's a certain artistic component to it. So yeah. So I, I, I work on the tongue. I've, I mean, I help people speak again. Yeah. That's pretty you know, cool. the tongue is also very much involved in swallowing. So if, if the tongue isn't able to like lift and move properly, like people have swallowing issues. Uh, is there anything you can do? I think that's called dysphagia, right? Mm -hmm. Is there anything you can do for that? Yeah. Yeah. Really? So um, dysphonia, which is would be related to speech um, and dysphagia, like the the depending on the assessment um, and usually I like for patients to have seen an ear, nose and throat specialist and or a speech language pathologist as well. I want to rule out all of the big stuff. Right. Because I can't diagnose, um, nor would I know what to diagnose. Right. I approach it from a, a musculoskeletal level. So someone comes in with, you know, muscle tension dysphonia or um, dysphagia, I'm working on the tongue, I'm working on the front of the neck. Like if you have like, you know, forward head carriage or overuse or whiplash injuries, concussions, people develop anterior neck tension, so tension at the front of the neck. So those are the areas that I target and the jaw and the base of the skull. And it's, it's so cool. That's really fascinating. So cool. uh, I have a funny question. Has anybody accidentally bitten you? No, I get asked that question all the time, though. I'm sure a lot of people have wanted to bite me. <laughs> how, do you, how do you, well, how do you prevent people from biting you? I mean, if you have your, your fingers in their mouth, do you, do you put a bite block in? No, I just trust. I just, I just, wow. yeah, it's, 
And I think a part of it too is because I have an hour to spend with patients. So one of my primary goals is to calm the person's nervous system down. It's also for them to not feel anxious. And I've also invented um, a series of hand signals um, because communication is everything. My goal is to never hurt anybody. And so prior to starting, um, prior to the patient even getting on the table, I'm talking about what I'm looking for. I want to make sure it's relevant. I'm instructing them that I don't want to hurt them and that I give them permission to, t to guide me through the pressure. If it's too much pressure, tell me if you want me to increase or decrease it, if you want me to stop, you know, um, so because I'm very thorough about explaining the power of communication, it's actually one of the courses that I'm working on right now is communication leads to rehabilitation and empowering the patient um, to feel that they can speak up when something is good or bad or they're not sure prevents people from biting my finger. <laughs> well, and you know, it's, it, that's so important, especially oh, in massage therapy. I've referred a lot of my family and friends to massage therapists uh, because I, I know how good treatments can be for a body that hurts. Uh -huh. um, but frequently I've, I've had friends come back to me and say, oh, you know, they put too much, too much pressure. And I'd be like, why didn't you tell them? You know, and, and I think I that's a common problem, isn't it? Jules, listen, here's the deal, okay? <laughs> here's the deal. Uh, I hope no one's listening. No, I'm kidding. Um, the deal is, is that manual therapists are taught to believe that what we feel is superior to what a patient feels. Okay. Or, or we believe that we do, right? So massage therapists think that, oh, this is tight, therefore I need to put a lot of pressure. And, and like, I, I don't know what it feels like to be in anyone else's body. Mm -hmm. So how am I supposed to magically know where to go, how much pressure to put there, how long to stay there, okay? I'm not. But then all of a sudden you look at the power dynamic. I have a naked person on my table. And I'm, if I'm not giving them permission, if I'm not giving them cues, if I'm not giving them examples, which is why I have these this hand signals that I've created, it's a series of nine hand signals. Um, if I'm not educating patients on therapeutic communication, I'm either going to injure them, they're going to leave unsatisfied they're not going to achieve their rehabilitation goals so i'm also coaching my patients on the value of therapeutic communication it doesn't hurt my feelings if you tell me that something is too hard it shouldn't right right and i've been to massage therapists where i'm like that's too hard and they're like yeah but i feel like it, it needs it like your tissues are really tight and it's like how are you supposed to dictate what i'm feeling in my body wow you know or like or, oh, that doesn't feel relevant to me. Like, you know, yeah, but I feel like there's a big knot there. Or like one of my pet peeves is like, I have patients come in to see me and they're like, oh, I saw this massage therapist years ago and they told me I had the tightest shoulders that they've ever felt in their life, in their career. You know what that does? That patient will never forget that conversation and they'll never get better because all of a sudden they now have a professional who's probably treated hundreds or thousands of people tell them those are the worst shoulders I've ever seen. When all that massage therapist was trying to do was validate that person's tension, but the words that they chose were, are, are so awful. They're so damaging. And so then I had that patient come in and, and they're like, oh yeah, this massage therapist. And I'm like, well, first and foremost, I'm never going to tell you that. 
And I'm sorry that you heard that from that massage therapist because that was not right of them to say that to you. And probably more than massaging the tongue and massaging the jaw and all that, Jules, like therapeutic communication is, man, that's my jam. That is my passion because it doesn't matter what I feel. Do you think that therapists who say things like, oh, it's all in your head or, oh, your muscles are the tightest I've ever seen or whatever, is this a lack of communication education? There's none. There is none. Mm. There is none. Like how many times, you know, like here's, here's an example of like what to do and what not to do or what not to do and what, what to do. Um, Anytime a massage therapist or manual therapist asks you a question and you answer good, they've asked the wrong question. How's my pressure? Good. You say good because you're like, you're vulnerable. And because, you know, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Is this area? Oh, this area feels really tight, right? Uh, yeah. Like not, I'm super assertive. Not everyone's assertive. And I, as an assertive person, have been in massages and felt their vulnerability of that power dynamic and not feeling like I could tell them exactly what I wanted because they may not be hearing what I'm saying. So what's a better question? Would you like me to increase or decrease my pressure? Interesting. So just twisting it around. So <laughs> then the person can just say, no, it's fine. Yeah. It's really good right now. Or yes and no. And interesting. That's a very good approach. A really good, you know, one of the key words that I utilize a lot in my practice is, does this feel relevant or not? Mm -hmm. You know, because huh. we want to have, and, and this is like, you know, this is the hardest part for, for, for people to learn. And, and I'm so lucky, like my stuff, like I work them hard, but they are exceptional therapists. And they're exceptional therapists because they understand the value of communication and the results in therapy come from communication. So how, how do we, you know, how, how, how do I, how do we get people to communicate better? Maybe it's, you know, in the schools, maybe I'm not too sure, but hands down, like my number one rule is if you ask a patient a question and their answer is good, you have asked the wrong question. And I think that actually can be applicable and not just, well, exactly. Not just yeah. massage therapy, but physiotherapy in medicine, yeah. you know, the lack of, uh, what do you, what, what do they call it? Bedside manner, bedside manner. Yep. uh, is a problem, a massive problem yep. because it also causes distrust in medicine, distrust in science. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who have, uh, who have gone, you know, into woo, Mm -hmm. And like weird alternative stuff because they had a doctor not communicate properly with them. Mm -hmm. You have so, to take the ego out. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what I feel. Right, right. Do you, uh, massage therapy right now, at least in Canada, is a private service, right? I mean, it's not covered by, I think, any government. No, not at all. So things like workers' compensation or they don't cover that? Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like WSIB okay. would. Um, but, you know, realistically, like that's, I don't, I don't work with the demographic. The paperwork is astronomical. They don't 
pay much even like with like people who get into car accidents and stuff like that like dealing with those third parties is it's a nightmare as a practitioner do you feel like uh, massage therapy should be something that's available to all canadians oh 100 percent. so it should be publicly funded um but physiotherapy isn't necessarily either nor is chiropractic like oh hip coverage i'm trying to think when they stopped doing it maybe like maybe 12, 13 years ago, there used to be um, chiropractic and physiotherapy was covered under OHIP. I actually didn't know that. And it's no longer. Or so for it Americans, is, it's like a very, very, very small percentage of physiotherapists, I believe, that are covered by OHIP. And they're OHIP-run clinics or they're whatever type of clinics, but the wait time is astronomical. Right. Um, naturally. Yeah. For Americans who are listening, OHIP is the uh, provincial coverage here in Ontario, Canada. Um, are you familiar with any uh, differences between uh, Canadian and American um, massage therapy practices? Uh, do you find that the Canadian model is better? Or I guess it's provincial in Canada, it's so provincial. it's even tougher. Yeah, it's provincial in Canada and it's, it's um, per state in the U.S., And so in Ontario, like I did a three-year program Um, and um, provincially it varies. Like in Quebec, it's, it's, you know, maybe a couple of weekends, it depends, or maybe it's evolved since then. But like in certain states, it's like, it's unregulated or it's like a thousand hour program or some it's like 500 hours. So there's no standardized, but I can say um, with certainty that Ontario, BC, um, I think maybe New Brunswick, uh, perhaps even Alberta have, um, probably missing a province in there, but have very high standards for education for massage therapy. So from a global perspective, uh, we have some of the highest levels of education, perhaps like second to maybe Germany. I know that massage therapy is a really big deal there. And, and um, so, yeah, like we have very high standards of education. So do you plan on expanding from the neck up massage? Because uh, I mean, yeah. it is obviously a successful model. Yeah. Uh, then again, you are in Toronto, so it is a, a large, you know, huge city in Canada. So it would make sense that you would have a larger demographic, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, it seems to be working out for you. Yeah, it's going really well. It's interesting to be thriving during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. That too. Yeah, it's interesting to be thriving during a pandemic. I mean, my goal, honestly, as I mentioned earlier, like it's not about me, it's about this demographic of patients that I can help. And when I opened this clinic two years ago, my dad came down from Sudbury to help me build walls. I'm <laughs> good old like Northern Ontario, like my dad and my cousin and my brother. And we were, it was like, I don't know, the first night and, and I think I was thanking him for helping me and and I was like, yeah, great. Like now your dream came true. And I was like, oh no, this is just a pilot project for me. Like I'm utilizing this clinic as a means of figuring out how to train people, how to run a business. What am I passionate about? Where do I want to go? Because I think that every major city should have this type of clinic. So I do want to open up clinics in some of the major cities. I'm probably will be opening up a second clinic if all goes well, I mean, the pandemic is is kind of like, oh, you know, it's, it's hard to make plans, but um, I'd like to open up another clinic in the city um, sooner than later. And then, you know, Sudbury, Ottawa, like different parts of the province. And I have no problem with going Canada wide or global or it's. 
anything well, it is seems possible. to me, Jules, because you're servicing a lot of actors, a lot of mm-hmm. vocal artists, a lot of um, you know voice actors and things like that. It seems to me that you would have an angle, or perhaps you could teach a you know a course to massage therapists in Hollywood, for example. Oh, you know where is. they're they're so concentrated. Uh, is that something that uh, interests you? Education does interest me a lot. Um, education and business and the merging of the two. So I do, I would like to, after I've, you know, opened up a couple of clinics to focus more on, in five years, I don't want to be massaging. I want to be focusing on, on opening clinics and, and education, but I'm more interested in educating patients. Interesting. So my, Maybe like five years ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to open up this like TMJ clinic. What's, what's my goal? And my goal was how do I help someone like dream big, right? How do I help someone in rural New Zealand that has jaw issues and how do I make money helping them? And that's my work back plan. So please go ahead. (laughs) So I'm I'm working on it. I have so many questions for you, Jules. It's it's impossible here, but go ahead. (laughs) I'm working on it. I mean, I think that it's easier for me to access people who have these issues than to try to drum up therapists and like to manage the business from that perspective because of social media, because of YouTube. um, My goal is to create, and it's one of the projects I'm working on in the new year, are subscription-based classes so you have a jaw problem. Well, here's a 10 or 15 minute class, kind of like you would like a yoga class or any type of, you know, paid for class. Uh, if you're having like headaches in your temples, well, here's a 10 minute class on, you know, how to do self massage and stretching and, you know, all of those different components and, and to build a series of classes that people can then buy to self treat because not, as I mentioned, Canada has the highest level of education or one of the highest internationally. And in a lot of places in the world, massage therapy equates to the spa. Mm. So, so essentially, singers could potentially subscribe to your service yeah. and treat their jaw issues, yeah. uh, ear issues, etc. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, can we talk about that demographic a little bit? Because interestingly enough, this is an arts and science podcast. Yeah. So, you know... Um, <laughs> I interview a lot of artists who are actors who use their their head neck, you know, uh, mm-hmm. tongue to for to make a living, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are there any self care tips that you could give that demographic right now? Oh man, so many. I mean, I do have on my website um, from the neckupmassage.com, I have a library that I'm building um, under a self-care tab. So it depends on what a person is presenting with. Most people that have, you know, I'm going to be very generic here, but it's a lot of stress-related and anxiety-related tension when it comes to clenching the jaw. So for for self-care, I mean, I think like checking in on like what are the contributing factors. Um, but yeah, there's like tons of videos out there. You know, if you're having some jaw pain, like check out my website and, and have a look at one of the videos to, you know, massage, self-massage the masseter or self-massage the, the temporalis. Or if you're having some tension at the base of your skull, there's a great self-massage video there as well. You mentioned stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. This is a, such a big issue for anything health related, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you say... Um, 
it happens to a lot of your clients that their their injury or their issues are stress related? It's definitely a component okay. to to a big subset of our demographic. I mean, I've seen an uptick, you know, of people when I ask the question on the health history form, like when did this start? And it's like, you know, kind of lockdown, like March, April. Right. You know, or after a divorce or, yeah. you know, after this or that. And, and that can be very, very difficult. So then would it make sense that Barring not being able to, or barring being able to see you for mm-hmm. treatment, um, relaxation techniques would help. Oh, for sure. Meditation, yoga, breathing exercises. Heat is also really great because it helps to calm down the nervous system and it just feels good. So I, I, there's a um, heating pad that I recommend to our patients to wear on the neck, but also on their head, <laughs> which is like super cute, but also effective. Um you know, yeah, I, I think it's everyone has like ingredients to their their recipe of well-being. And it's a matter of figuring out like what those things are and and doing them and doing it often and um, just leaning What's towards yours? that. What's mine? Um, that's a really great question. I'm actually like I'm, I'm really overworked right now and uh, which is great. Um, I like walking home. It's a, it's a 45 minute walk. I don't listen to any music. I just, you know, I walk home. I like listening. I have an extensive record collection. So I'll listen yes, to I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get regular treatments. Um, I cycle a lot. So I just got a spin bike uh, for my staff and I at the clinic. And so I'll get on a spin bike and, and just, and just hammer away and peanut butter. It makes me <laughs> <laughs> I just hope I don't develop a nut allergy at some point in my life because I'll have to find <laughs> something else. <laughs> um, let's let's just kind of divert here. Let's talk about your record collection for a second here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just because when I think of you, I remember that time in Kensington Market when we used to listen to blues music. Mm-hmm. Um you know, or just walking downtown uh, Toronto and just like stopping in bars that had like indie music or whatever. It's just, to me, you are somebody who, who knows a good record. Um, what's, uh, what are some re- recent records that you've added to your collection? Oh, good question. I recently bought, where was I? I recently bought, um, a Texas blues compilation album. I'm a huge blues fan and I, and um, I love the history behind the blues. I love the sound. I love the rawness. I love the intimacy of blues. And so I got that album, which really blew my mind. And I love these albums because I don't know who anybody is on there, Mm. you know, and that's how I discover new music is, and most of the music that I've discovered has just been going into a record shop and been like, oh, let me try this, you know? <laughs> um, so I bought that. One of my, one of the albums I've been going to back a lot recently is um, a, a Nina Simone album. I just, I can't get enough of it. Like this, the one song I loves you Porgy is like, oh, it's just so good. And she does an incredible version of um Pa which is like, oh, man, it's like peanut butter for the soul. <laughs> but I've actually, hey, do, you, yeah. 
Well, I was I wanted to know, do your patients sometimes ask for music? Um, we have a part of our population has concussions, myself included. I, I had a, a brain injury day six of opening up the clinic two years ago, like Whoa. personality changes. I couldn't read. I couldn't add. I could, it was like, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, and I've music up until I had this clinic was always a big part of the experience. Um, but because we have a lot of patients come in with concussions and because of my own concussion, I play this really wonderful, just mono instrumental piano playlist, and it's in all the rooms. So you don't hear all these alternative noises throughout the clinic. It is steady. It is soothing. It's there. It's present, but you're not focused on it. And as much as I love, like I used to massage to like Radiohead and like <laughs> York and like, um, uh, zero seven and like, yeah, the Nina Simone's the blues and that kind of stuff, which was great when I was doing like really aggressive, like rehabilitation. Cause I've always done rehabilitation. And, but because my demographic of patients needs to just go to that place, they just need easy. The mono instrumental is key for me. It seems to me, Jules, that a part of you is a bit of a maverick, especially in this industry. Ooh. I mean, in real life, I know you as a maverick. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, is that something that you enjoy? Yeah. I love innovating. Um, I, I identify more as an entrepreneur than as a massage therapist. One of the things that's been really interesting is... Um, the majority of what I do at the clinic is I work inside people's mouths. 80% of what we do is working inside people's mouths. Well, lo and behold, we have a pandemic in which respiratory droplets mm -hmm. kind of transmit a virus. And so when I reopened the clinic, um, we decided to suspend working inside people's mouths because one, there was just a lot going on, but two, wasn't too sure how to address it safely. And, um, so I've actually, with the assistance of my staff created the, from the neck up intraoral method. And it's actually, there's a course that I'm writing and there's actually a company that, um, approached me and they'll be hosting my course. And it's a course on how to treat inside the mouth during a pandemic while working with PPE. And I love it. I love that. I rose to the challenge because I think a lot of other people would have just been like, Oh man, I have a clinic in which we focus working inside the mouth. We're just not going to do it anymore. We're now our general uh, practice, which is what a lot of my peers were suggesting I do. And I was like, no, there's a problem. I'm going to find a solution and I'm going to thrive. I, I just, I believe that, you know, if, if you push yourself and if, if you really believe that you can achieve something that, yeah, you got to test yourself. I did tons of research but what we do to work inside people's mouths is so safe and the pride that I have in innovating and, and it's trademarked. And, and now I'm going to get to teach people globally how to safely work inside the tissues of someone's mouth, man. That's pretty cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying yeah. it from an ego perspective. It's just like, it's just, yeah. Do you find it hard? Uh, be because you know, you mentioned a few times, you know, your colleagues within the industry. Um, do you feel judged by them or do you, do you have their support? 
Um, I mean, if anyone's judging me, I don't know. Um, I don't hear about it or maybe I ignore, I don't know. Um, I definitely have a lot of support. Um, I was featured in, in a, a local newspaper this week and, you know, the amount of like former colleagues who sent me emails to congratulate me and patients and stuff like that. I definitely, um, I'm keeping a low profile in terms of, um, my status as a massage therapist. There's a lot of things I, I, I like the idea of like blowing up. So there's a couple of things that I'm working on right now where I just want to be able to launch a bunch of branding to other massage therapists to make myself known um, because what I am doing is very unique and I'm changing the industry. Listen, massage mm -hmm. therapy, it needs a shake up and you know, I don't mind stirring the pot. I got a big spoon. Like let's, let's <laughs> just do this. It, it needs, it needs a shake up and, and there's a lot of risk that's involved with it. And, Again, I'm I'm an entrepreneur and so I'm I like taking risks and and I'm kind of smart and I know that what I believe in um because it's patient centric people are going to jump on like people are going to start realizing that not that what they were doing was wrong but how they've been practicing and I'm and I'm leaning on like the, the idea of communication right now how they've been practicing hasn't been optimal Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, you identify a lot as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. uh, primarily, actually. Yeah. So a lot of my guests, you know, they're artists or scientists. A lot of them are independents, mm -hmm. as in they're trying to do all their marketing. They're trying to do everything on their own. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious in the last like 10 minutes that we've got, let's talk about that a little bit, because I want, I want you to share with us what your, let's say your top three challenges have been. Um, top three challenges, um, managing my own ambitions has been, is I'm an exceptionally ambitious person. Um, I'm kind of like, can it be done? Yeah. All right. You know, um, let me throw some time at it. Let me throw some money at it. Let me throw both. Um, so managing my own ambitions and, and, you know, by proxy means that I have a better quality of life. So that is my biggest challenge. Um, second has been hiring and, and, and finding people again, because what I'm doing is, is new to the industry and people are like, what do you mean? Isn't that boring? You're working on the same thing all the time. And people like variety. Well, sure. Maybe like I work within the same area, but every single person presents as something different. Um, so one, not a lot of massage therapists are keen on doing the type of work that we're doing. And I think too, because what I also do is I, I, it's like, I provide a mentorship to the people who work for me and it's, I'm very engaged in um, taking talented massage therapists and helping them become exceptional massage therapists. And so not everyone, because my industry is an industry of independent contractors and people you work solo and you don't, you know, it's not easy for a lot of people to um, grow with feedback within the context of my industry. And then what would I say the next one is, you know, it's, uh, I mean, another challenge is just, I, is, is getting medical professionals 
to send us patients because what I do is, is so new and unique and there's not a lot of research. There's not enough access to research for the average dentist, let's say. Every dentist in the city, every TMJ specialist in the city should be sending people here. I'm not saying that massage therapy is the only thing that helps people. I'm saying let's work together, mm-hmm. you know? So that part has been interesting to me because I've like, you know, I've done the whole like cold calling and knocking on doors and I've seen some, you know, I've created some relationships from there, but I'm, I'm been really fascinated at, at how little referrals I get from, from, from the dental industry specifically. So I've just kind of like, I'll let them come to me. We're good. I mean, my, our volume is good and we're thriving, but it's, it's very interesting to me that it's been an uphill battle to get dentists to, to, to refer patients to us. Yeah, that is very interesting. I wonder if it's just because it's new. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's partly why I decided to create a YouTube channel and to have the video of library exercises on our website. I recognize that because it's new, there's a lot of branding and a lot of education that needs to happen while I'm still like seeing a full patient load and mentoring my staff. And like, you know, I often have to figure out like, sometimes it's on a daily basis. Like, all right, what's my priority today? Like one of my favorite things is like every day, (laughs) this is my favorite quote that I invented. (laughs) (laughs) Every day, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing every day. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. Absolutely. How do you, you do everything, right? You do your branding, your marketing, your market research, your web stuff. I have, I have, I really lucked out. I have a really great design team for my website. Um, and they also created my logo, but I scrub the toilets here. Right, right. So for people <laughs> who like the artists and the scientists that I deal with mm-hmm. and, and who I have as guests, mm-hmm. what advice would you give them? I, I, you know, because you have, you've just listed your top three challenges. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a very rewarding experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody who's, who really wants something successful, like a successful project or a successful business? Know your strengths. Focus on those and hire out for your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It would, honestly, like I barely know how to operate a curling iron. Like if something plugs in, I can't operate it. Why would I learn how to, like, I need to create an online store. Why would I research how to create an online store when I can just pay someone to do it and then see where my, my time as an expert in my field, where my time is best spent for remuneration. Also, right. when you hire someone to do something, you get to write that off on your taxes. If I figure out how to do it and it takes me 20 hours, I don't get to bill myself or to you know, charge for that time. So, and of course that depends where you live because, yeah. you know, this is international. So right, it, yeah. it's hard to make statements like that, but we, we get your point, which is that there are intelligent ways to yeah. go about creating your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're, if you have a weakness, just, just hire out or something you're not interested in. Yeah. I mean, I don't do my own podcast editing because yeah. I wasn't interested Zero, zero interest. Um, Lastly, last question for you. What would you, what would today's Jules Poulain say to the 20 year old 
Jules Poulet? Oh, man. I mean, cliche, but believe in yourself. Mm. Like, you got this, you know? But yeah, just, just believe that you can. Right. Makes sense. On that note, hey. congratulations. Thank no, you. really, really, congratulations. Thanks. It's interesting to know somebody from when they were like 13 <laughs> to, the, to who they are today. Definitely um, not 13. <laughs> I guess well, we've known come. each other for 30 years. <sighs> we're old. No, we're awesome. We're awesome. We're, we're old and awesome. <laughs> but listen, Jules Poulet, uh, where can people find more information? They can find uh, more information about the clinic and the library of self-care exercises um, at my website, which is fromtheneckupmassage.com. Okay. And in Toronto, if they want to book an appointment with you. Um, they can book it on my website, and okay. um, we are located in the East End in Greektown, so at Danforth and Pape. Excellent. Well, listen, thanks very much, and uh, how about you come back on the program in 2021? I would love it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been fun. so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Thanks, Jules. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.